Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga, from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer, and I'm answering with my lovely friend, lit teacher, and DPT, Kristen Williams. Welcome. Hey guys, how's it going? (laughs) It's always so great to have you on here. And people really love hearing from several physical therapists. So lately on Instagram, um, I have been getting a lot of feedback from my post about stopping the shift from plank, going forward from plank. So this is a common cue, shifting forward before you lower. And I have always wondered why that cue was around because it never really made sense. It never felt good back in the day when I would even try it out myself. But from a biomechanical standpoint, um, it's actually really injurious. And there's a few things, like a lot of the times I'm like, well, it depends. It depends. You know, movement can be done in a lot of different ways. But this I have a really, I have like just a very concrete no on what is, what is your take on it before you get into some of the questions people sent us? You know, it's funny. It's, it's one of those things when I started yoga, I kind of felt the same thing. I would do it because I could do it, but I always thought I felt it in my anterior shoulder. I'm strong in my shoulders, but I kind of was like, why is that? Oh, well, it just must be a yoga thing. And there are so many things that it's just a yoga thing. So I would do it and then always kind of go, hmm, so this is why I keep getting patients from this. So you know, and I think there's a lot of pushback when you say don't do it because it's not that people can't physically do it. It's, I think what we're looking at is the general population, you know, who most people cannot do it safely. Like you said, it's injurious. So why do we keep teaching that to beginner to advanced yogis to do that when they're I've always kind of questioned the mechanical bias or basis behind it, really. No, I totally agree. And it's what's interesting is like when I started being the 
I don't want to say a rebel, but I when I started to use my head and my physical therapy background over a decade ago and would start not doing certain things, and um, I definitely you know, saw a lot more pushback, not necessarily right at my face, but I could sense that there's just this holding on to a religious type belief in something. And now it's quite different for the most part, at least to my face, people are like saying, goodness, you're saying this, this never felt great. I hurt my shoulders. I tore my rotator cuff on and on and on. But there is this you know, these, it's really fascinating to see the human um, logic and how we get very attached to something. And I think people associate like they had a great teacher that they loved and that teacher always said you had to shift forward. And the reason was because, you know, your elbow had to be in line right over the wrist. And that was the most important thing. And they, even though they're coming up to me or to you who who are professionals and understand the body at a deeper layer, they still are like, well, what about the elbow? What about the wrist? And so I'm going to ask you, because I, again, I think you know my opinion, but like, what do you say to somebody like that? Well, oh yeah, I was taught that I should shift forward because it's really not good for the elbow unless it's 90 degrees over the wrist. Yeah. Um, you know, I, as a physical therapist, one of my favorite things is I, it, it, I've learned to look at the body like a machine and I know its parts so well. I know the parts that are stable. I know the parts that are unstable. I know the parts uh, based on gravity coming through them and the muscles that are attaching. It's a very intimate knowledge that we develop working with people. And it doesn't happen right out of PT school. You know, you get so much information. It happens with experience. So my opinions, I'm sure yours, have changed. They've evolved over the years based on what I've seen. And so I look at the joints themselves and the most unstable joint in our body is the shoulder because it's the most mobile. And most people across the board are weak in their shoulders. Think about just with posture and daily living. You know, how are we biased? We're biased with those shoulders forward. We're biased to be tight in the front, weak in the back. Uh, we really don't use the arms that much. And then when we're weightlifting, so a lot of these stronger guys, a lot of the guys are who I get the pushback from because they are so built up in their pecs. They're so built up in their delts, those quote unquote beach muscles, that they're able to use those in a shift forward. And, and they are a little bit stabler because quite frankly, they're tighter. Um, but for most hypermobile yogis, um, you know, they're diving into that anterior capsule right into the front of the joint. Yeah, it looks like slithery and slinky and sexy. You know, I think that's another thing that we have to get rid of in yoga is how it looks to the eye. You know, this whole like seductress type move sometimes. Swirling, like, like, yeah, yeah, like waving down and lift. Yeah. Writhing. It's a writhing. That is just, that's not functional. It's not safe. It's not practical. Um, so, and the elbow, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I know when people talk about the elbow, I'm like, don't even, you don't even, but you don't listen. You don't need to focus on your elbow. If you have any elbow issues, unless it was a direct hit or something that's really repetitive, it's coming from your shoulder, uh, 99% guarantee. So if, yeah, yeah. If you stabilize that area and get your posture, the elbow is not going to have the issues and that should not be the focus. 
Yeah. So I would say the same thing. And the other thing I think about is, you know, we take our, like you said, most people, again, general population. And when I say general, I mean, most everybody, unless you're like training as an acrobatic, unless you're like putting your shoulder in vast ranges of motion and stabilizing in those. And and most of us are not like, let's just be honest. Like, and I've worked with like the Cirque people and they have a whole host of issues. Trust me, because they're doing repetitive loads on that. Can you repetitively load a tendon? Of course you can. Is it made to have that repetitive load on it? Maybe not. And certainly in the shoulder, um, you've got these delicate tendons that kind of cuff it, the rotator cuff, and to lean into them, which form the capsule of the shoulder, is not a good idea. Putting your body weight and gravity on it, no freaking way. What you do need to do is think about the back, like Kristen was saying, really developing the muscles in the back. They're going to be, I call them like like the, whoa, the reins. They're going to slow the descent from plank down. You have to have them really pulled together in a way, Um, not overly so, like you don't want to overly use the rhomboids or anything like that. It's really actually that you're just trying to maintain a neutral scapula. And within that, there's a ton of dynamic stabilization happening. But to shift forward, you're shifting your center of mass. And I think the other thing, like when you mentioned guys will sometimes give you pushback. I've seen some male teachers who have definitely done that. And their center of mass is, their center of gravity is a little bit different than women. It's more in their, more up in their chest. Ours is more down towards our pelvis. And they um, probably shifting forward like that puts them at a little advantage. And of course, they can lock into their lats and pecs, these big mover muscles that are not uh, great stabilizers for the scapula. But the rest of us, which is, I'm going to say 98, 99% of us really shouldn't even think about shifting forward. Like, I mean, really, if you don't have incredible stabilization of the scapula, that, that should not even be a move that you attempt. Well, and I think what people need to remember, and this this is kind of an aha moment for people, you're talking about the scapula. A lot of people aren't aware that the scapula is the socket. You know, it's the socket of the shoulder. We always think of the shoulder as a ball and socket joint. It's really not like that. So you but but the socket is the scapula. So if the scapula is moving, the humeral head does not stay centered. And so that I like that's my PSA. People, the socket is your scapula. It's not this fixed bone. It's a bone that can move. You know, it's unlike the pelvis, which is much more fixed. That's why the hip is so much more stable. You've got the socket moving as well as the ball. So being able to fix one of them, which is your scapula, puts you at a greater advantage with your lowering. And as soon as you shift forward, a lot of people, like you said, they don't have that scapular stability. And the other thing is from the front side, the core, you know, the core. And I mean, it's to, to, as once you start cueing people to lift up in their core, meaning their abdominals, it's like, oh my gosh, I just took a lot of it out of my shoulder because I'm doing more with the core, core. Vice versa, what we're asking people to do, as soon as you shift, don't shift forward, you put it more in the core. As yes. you neutralize the scapula, you put it more in the core because you're not putting it all on the pec. These already overused, over um, just kind of relied upon muscles. So yeah, we're forcing people to work hard. Actually, they work harder. That's the funny thing. Everybody's like, the, the way you teach is way more difficult. I'm like, because you're using 
your proximal muscles, the stabilizers, all the core, you know, the obliques, the transverse, the serrate, and the serratus, by the way. The other thing I would say is not just because, okay, you can shift forward, but serratus anterior, as, as many people know, is just a, an incredibly important muscle for that dynamic stabilization of the, ser- of the s- scapula. And so it's on the underside of the scapula and it's going to help hold the scapula in the more stabilizing position. When you shift forward, you put your serratus at a disadvantage. You're putting your lats at an advantage and they are covering over the serratus and you put your serratus at a disadvantage and that is not a healthy position again for a I don't even care. Even if you have the strength, I just still don't think fundamentally it's a biomechanically sound position. And the reason why I want to be pretty black and white on this is I don't want there to be any room for doubt. We should not be shifting forward. You should use your core, put your serratus at the advantage to be able to work, um, not get into any weird... Because the other thing is when you shift forward, you're, you're putting your scapula in a more downwardly rotated position. And that is again, not a, that is just not a good position to, to stabilize the humeral head. We have a lot more thought on that, but anyway, if in doubt, and this is the other thing I'll ask you, if you find that you are, and most, again, I, I don't hear it. All I hear is, you know, I got hundreds of messages this week, literally. And a lot of them were like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I never learned that way. I learned from you. And then others are like, I did it that way. I hurt myself. I didn't think I was going to do yoga. So I'm not hearing from the people who are like, I really disagree with you, but I know they're out there. And what I want to say is, get this is not a t- debate in my mind. This is putting your body, it's setting your body up for success versus setting it up for, you know, I don't know, crappy form. Okay, let's go for some questions here. So someone asked, my teacher said to never put the knees on the mat. You could never get strong that way. True? Ah, wrong. You want to respond to that, Kristen? Of course, that's, the, that's like a dumb thing to say. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you put the knees on the mat to get the form first. You know, knees down is still hard as hell. You yes. know, you're just... You're putting yourself at a little bit of an advantage, but it's very minor, but enough to where you can get a good form, a good posture to lower. Once you're strong enough, and I mean, that does not happen overnight, then sure, you can try lifting your knees, but if you lose your form, put them back down. You know, it is something strength does not build overnight. Neuromuscular control does not build overnight. This takes weeks and weeks. I've heard it's six weeks for neuromuscular education, and then your next six weeks is. For strengthening. So think about that. Three months minimum to develop the neuromuscular and the physical strength to do something properly, let alone master it. So, I, you know, I think that's, I don't even know why, what that teacher was. I can't yeah, even get my yeah. brain on saying that. I know. Because, and this is again, where I think we have to be really cautious as teachers and just as practitioners and as humans as not being so um, like, this is good, this is bad. I really, you know, aside from that, I have a very strong opinion about this. I really try and be open-minded about a lot of things and not be so black, not be black and white. Um, And so saying something is good or not good, or this is strong and not, you know, so, well, if you need to put your knees down, 
kind of as if like, oh, you're a loser. You might have to put your knees down. No, put your knees down, form over function, right? You're going to get function from good form, like Kristen was saying. And so what you're doing is you're setting up the form. You're offloading a little bit of the weight on the knees, but actually having the knees down will call upon those stabilizer muscles even more in a way. So it's if somebody says that, then A, you can just do what you want anyway, or just realize that might not be a good person to learn from because that is not, you don't want to learn from somebody who has that very kind of binary position. Like got like I've been in those classes where they're like, jump right into chaturanga, don't jump into plank. And I'm like, what? You know, so I don't want somebody telling me like in a military way what to do, especially when I know it's not functionally sound. Yeah. I mean, I like to start dropping the knees from the get-go, you know, telling people to drop their knees. So, you know, you kind of, and, and that's what we do in our son ones. You know, you tell them to drop the knees. Not, not everybody drops their knees, but mm-hmm. you, it's that's sending the message that it's okay to drop your knees, you know, yeah. it's okay, and it's okay to do a modified side plank. It's okay to, don't make it, you know, I think that's another point of making not it's, so it doesn't seem like you said, like you're a loser if you can't do it the, the full way. Well, there shouldn't be a full way. There should just be your way and what's best for you and the strongest. Right. And there's so many variations in, you know, bodies. Everybody's history is different. I mean, that's why I, again, like would be open-minded to like, oh, well, maybe some shoulders are okay with shifting forward. And my, my, my instinct is like, no, because you're not, Again, all there's neuromotor firing that is happening, and we we don't even understand like how many things are happening just to accomplish one task. So you know, put yourself at the most advantage when you are also contending with gravity, gravitational forces, your own body weight. Like there is so much that has to happen. It is super complex. So just, I don't want to say dumb it down, just scale it down to mechanics. Like what are, what's going to be the best mechanics? Look at it this way. If you had something like I often use the TV going over the, you know, apartment building and you have a rope and I'll, I'll use that a lot about your head and, you know, but this could be applied like the reins of the, all the scapula muscles stabilizing the humeral head. If you're, the TV goes over a little bit, it's really easy to control it right at the very end, right? You know, right, right as it starts to tip. That's, that's easiest. When it goes a little bit more, it becomes way harder exponentially. So you, when you are putting yourself, when you are taking the humerus and purposely already tipping it over the edge of the windowsill, yeah, you are, it is just not functionally, biomechanically, a good place to be. So why would you put yourself at a disadvantage? Those 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 reins are not going to work really well. And the same thing's true for plank. If you don't have the core strength yet, drop the knees, put yourself at that functional advantage, that biomechanical advantage, and do it right. Do it well, do it safe, do it strong and sustainably. Now, a few people did ask when I don't shift forward in plank. Now, I also heard the opposite. So, but again, this is when I don't shift forward in plank, I sometimes feel pressure on my elbows. Any thoughts? So, my thought, I'll tell my thought, and I, I'm sure you have some too, is that, you know, first of all, if you have been used to shifting forward, then you probably are not using your triceps much at all. You're using your chest, your lats, 
You might be using them a little bit. So one is you might not be used to the decelerating or eccentric control component of how the triceps, when you go from plank and you lower to the ground without shifting forward, the triceps are kicking in to help. They have a little bit of a stable, they have a little part in that rein on the back of your arm. And so they're decelerating the humeral head. They connect from the humeral head to the to the um, elbow. So if you're not used to using them, it might feel like a little strain on your tr- on your elbow. So that's where I would say bend your knees, take some of the load off, keep the humerus centrated, keep it centered, and then get used to the tricep having to do some work there in a different way. So eccentrically is where you are usually going against gravity and you're controlling something, but the muscle is lengthening. So it's you'll tend to be more sore from doing eccentric uh, work, but it's usually easier to, to get and it's actually easier on the tendon over time. What would you say about the sore elbows? Kind of same thing? Kind of same thing. Um, and I would also, uh, first of all, tell that person, put their knees down and try it that way first. Because again, yeah. it is, it's brand new. You're using more tricep, you're using more core. You can't re- rely on those bigger muscle groups. Um, and also, a, a lot of times I feel like people have their hands too close sometimes too. So, you mean from left to right or from, or from under? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Too narrow. Yes. Yes. What is happening there at the elbow? You know, because. When you shift forward, I think that's not as big of a deal, the right. closeness, because you can almost use it as a crutch as you come down. It, it crutches up against yeah. you. It actually helps your, your torso descend slower because you're in so tight. Um, so you know, doing that from a closer position, all of a sudden, you, it, it's no longer a crutch. Yeah. Oh yeah. I call it the squeeze in and roll because you're squeezing the elbows in and you're actually using the bones of the elbows and, and the tissue in there too, to, to like take your load. And that's, and, but what it does is it rounds your humeral head forward because at some point it has to, and the pe- the pecs tend to, tr- you know, the pecs turn on. And the thing about the pecs are, is they adduct and internally rotate. Well, that is not what you want the humerus to be doing as you're lowering to the floor because that's putting it in a position, again, where you can really uh, shear those tendons. It's not good. Yeah. And I agree. So the hands, so what Kristen is saying is um, people are always surprised, like actually have a little pocket of air in there. Sometimes I talk about like, you know, if you're carrying a baguette home from the market, you don't want to squeeze it, right? You just hold it in there and want it to keep its shape. And that's kind of the space you want to have where your elbows are not touching your ribs. Well, that is a much harder position for everything, for the scapula muscles too, because they have to do their part of like really suction cupping that scapula onto the back. Now that brings me to my next question. So some people ask about like, well, my scapula always pop up when I lower. What do I do? What are some exercises? What would you say to that? Because there's popping up, there's winging, there's different things where there's going to be some extra movement. It'll it'll lift. The, the scapula is not stuck to the rib cage. There's stuff in in between. Yeah, and, you know that's a, it's a funny thing. The whole winging scapula. There, there's so much attention paid to that. Um, and the scapula, like you said, it can lift. It's allowed to wing. Um, you know, it, it's it's when we start to see it be asymmetrical that that to me is more of a red flag. When you have one side winging more than the other, you know, what can you do 
I mean, there are tons of exercises for scapular winging. I mean, just Google it and you'll find a ton. There's great stuff out there. But a lot of times, again, you start addressing other areas to treat what's happening at the scapula. So yes, there's all the serratus work that we talk about, serratus, serratus, serratus. But interestingly enough, I find that addressing other, you know, thoracic spine is, you know, is it super flat? You know, is it, you know, it's, it's not as clear cut. It's not like if you wing do this and it will go away, you know, Mm -hmm. it's another one of those things that I think is a, a, there's a big, a bigger answer to that than just say, do this, this, and this, and it'll fix it. Yeah. I mean, and to that point, what I often say to people, because again, they want like, what are the exercises? And what I say is get yourself in a neutral scapula, like film yourself and then hold it like a motherfucker. Like, and how do you do that? That's many other things besides serratus. That's obliques. That's transverse abdominis. That's glutes. It's like many things above and below. And, and like she's saying, the thra- if, so if your thoracic spine is, is not in a good position, your scapula, therefore, aren't in a good position. So who cares about the winging? You've got to start in neutral and then attempt to just hold that in place. That is dynamic stabilization because you're moving, but you're attempting this, to not let the scapula move with you. And so again, there's going to be some degree of liftoff. There's no problem with that. But can you hug everything around the ribs, around the scapula, around the pelvis? And that'll, yeah. So to me, just being in quadruped and working on how do you hold your scapula neutral when you've got weight bearing happening and you've got gravity down. And then there's, you know, so many other things from there, but a lot of stuff on your, a lot of the developmental stuff we do on your knees on your hands to get that feedback. Side flank stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So all of it, because, you know, it's, and that this is, this is sometimes the hard thing is that, um, you know, but I also enjoy it. Like in terms of it, there, we're not going to have an easy answer and we're not going to have an easy, you know, checkbox. This is a lifelong practice to get more balance in the body. We're never going to be fully balanced. That's just not, but it's a spectrum. Like how do we create more functional balance and 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 just enjoy the ride. But do it biomechanically sound and you're going to be so much better off. So that's our big stop the shift uh, plea. If you have any remaining questions, like I don't think there could be a lot more that we didn't cover, but you know, at any time feel like you can lower your knees. At any time feel like you lower the knees and bend the elbows a little bit. And then you feel like you can't control the humeral head, just come back up to plank. You don't have to keep lowering to the floor. Do the the work in different degrees. You know, you don't have to go full. That's part of it too, is a lot of people just come into like a classical vinyasa class and they're just like, you know, going hard, going strong, little instruction. And maybe that's an instruction shift forward. They, they obey it. They don't have any control, even if they had, you know, their proper form. So really form does matter. And then it, form gives you freedom. Amen, sister. Amen. All right. Well, we'll be back. We're going to do another Q&A next week. That's more questions about the shoulders because we got so many. So tune in for that next week on the Wednesday Q&A. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Thank you, Kristen.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 